back on Zoom, hopefully for one week only. Welcome to Panda Pod. one and all to episode 430 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined over the ether on the internet by Santi. Hi guys. And English Dan. Hello. As those of you who follow us on Twitter uh, might have seen when I mentioned it last week, um, we took the week off, I think it was two weeks ago now, as we kind of half predicted we might because of all the midweek matches it wasn't really a convenient time to record. And then last week I was down with COVID. Uh, actually caught it the week before. So it was just as well we had planned to take that week off. Uh, but I was mostly symptom-free until my girlfriend got over her bout and woke up feeling fine on the same day as I woke up feeling like death warmed up. So I spent most of last week sort of struggling through a bit of a fog. Um I'm okay now, but just to be on the safe side, and also because Dan's missus has also had COVID at the same time, um, we thought we'd record suspicious. over Zoom. Like Indeed, but, yes. Um, I mean, uh, more paranoid. No, no not suspicious at all. What am I agreeing with you for? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so hopefully we'll be back to seeing each other in person again next week. Uh, but for now. You've just got to put up with the wonderful quality of our Zoom calls, I'm afraid. Um, now, the interesting thing, of course, is that when we last recorded, we just had the first round of matches in the Liga Profesional. And since then, we have had a bunch of matches, uh, during which time I, as I've just said, have been unwell with COVID and feverish and not really in the mood for looking at screens for very long. And have also been very busy and having to proofread things on screens quite a lot. And as a result... I genuinely, the only thing about the top five in the league that I could have told you uh, before we started recording was that Newell's are top of the league and I didn't know who the other four members of the top five in the league were. Uh, so this is going to be an episode in which basically Dan and Santi tell me what's been going on. Um, we're not going to go through all of the match-by-match results because there are one, two, three, four rounds of matches that have been played since we last recorded. Um but I will, I think we'll just go through the, the top five and, and discuss how they've gone, and then we'll pick out a couple of the other teams. So the top five, looking at the tables that I've got in front of me now, are New Wales, who after five matches have won four and drawn one. Uh, their top, Gimnasia, uh, somewhat surprisingly, to me at least, are second uh, with 11 points, three wins and two draws. Uh, Racing, Boca and Platense, are third, fourth, and fifth, all on nine points. Um, in spite of the fact that, according to this table, hmm, how's that happened? <laughs> Interesting. Oh, no, okay, I see. Yeah, sorry, that's, that's quite confusing. Right, so Racing and Boca both have three wins and two defeats. I was getting the columns mixed up, which is why I got confused. Uh, and Platense also, as I just said, have nine points, but that's from two wins and three draws. So Platense is still unbeaten. 
Um, but uh, yeah, have, have drawn too many matches. Um, so they're separated on goal difference. Racing plus five, Boca plus three, Platense plus two. Um, and then there are a bunch of other teams who haven't yet got to nine points and we'll get to some of them later. Uh, so who wants to begin by telling me all about why Newell's are top of the league and uh, whether Platense are being very solid and, and dull or really deserve to be up there so far? Somebody needs to say I'm, something. I mean, it's it's hard to explain, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Yeah, the uh, thing is, uh, I think the the closest explanation that I can, you know, uh, attempt is the fact that uh, we've seen slow starts from uh, the teams that we more likely, I think, uh, think about when we when we talk about title contenders, the likes of you know River have had such. Uh, difficult starts to the season. Boca as well with a couple, you know, shocking losses to Central Cordoba, now Union. Vélez uh, have been, you know, hot and cold as well. So um, it took a rather, you know, solid and uh, I wouldn't say unremarkable, but not, you know, the first kind of uh, play team you, you think of when you think about attacking football like uh, Sanguinetti's Newells uh, for them to, you know, uh, get to that f- top spot, and at least in the first five uh, match weeks, we have to remember that uh, this is a uh, this is now a twenty-seven week championship, so uh, a lot can happen yet, and uh, there could be a time when one of the more usual suspects can, uh, you know, finally catch uh, catch a good patch of form and uh, go back to the the place where we most associate them with, but. For now, uh, it's it's a great start from Newell's. Let's see how much they can they can sustain it. But uh, I mean, given the situation, you know, and at a, at a higher kind of uh, level, Newell's, I don't think it's very sustainable. You say that, but I think another thing in uh, Newell's favour is that it wasn't an easy start by any means. Um, they had, you know, Banfield away from home to to kick off, not. Ever a particularly easy um, easy trip. And San Lorenzo at home, Talleres, Argentinos, Estudiantes. So you've got two of the um, two of Argentina's Copa Libertadores participants right in there. Um, so they've just been very good. They've been um, they've been getting the results, and now they've uh, actually got a few quote unquote maybe a simpler fixtures coming up. Uh, Patriota at home, and then uh, of course Platense. Um, who have been doing well the year, as we said, and maybe it's just the uh, Mauro Sanity effect. He's going for that rare feat of becoming a an Argentine champion with three different clubs now. Very, very exciting. <laughs> uh, I wish, I wish. Imagine yeah. if Platense win this whole thing. And that was fun. His um his first start was away to Vélez. Uh, yeah, and. Uh... And, he, and so was uh, he played alongside Tito Canteros, another player who Vélez has such fond memories of. Yeah, perhaps not quite as uh, hated now as um, Zaradi around Linyard, but um, he's probably not going to be much popular now after uh, after beating Vélez on, on the right turf. Going back to Newell's for a second, I've just noticed looking down their 
their scores so far that the only goal they've conceded was in the opening week and it was that I think we mentioned it the penalty very deep into stoppage time against Banfield when they were already out the match one so I mean as Santi says they might not be particularly freewheeling in attack but they're certainly going to be difficult to score against and I did actually catch a little bit of their match against Estudiantes at the weekend which they won 2-0 in La Plata um, I mean yeah they, they look good Estudiantes have been a bit shocking. Uh, I have to be completely honest. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, it was really, really awkward to see them completely crumble in that second half against Independiente, against the Independiente side that are widely inconsistent themselves. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this team looks weird. I mean, it, it looks like, uh, I mean, The whole point of uh, Sielinski's Estudiantes is the fact that they had uh, such a, a strong backline and they could rely on it and, uh, and their, their pace when, when countering to win games. But not only they are slow to counter, but also they, they make some serious mistakes in that backline. Let's see how Very much they can... Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I would uh, assume that they eventually will, you know, get their shit together, but... It does look odd for Asielinski's side to be so feeble at the back. It kind of started at the end of May, really, didn't it? With I think we mentioned that absolute battering that Vélez gave them in the last Libertadores oh, match. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Af after, of course, Estudiantes had battered Vélez in the first Libertadores group match. It was kind of a bit of revenge. Al albeit, that was an Estudiantes kids team, basically, because they qualified and they won the group already. Um, so they put out the reserves but you kind of wonder whether there's a little bit of like World Cup last group match syndrome going on there you know when some teams who've already qualified decide to just play all of the other members of their squad and end up losing momentum as a result um, I mean they did start with a draw and two wins the league season but the two wins are against Aldo Sibi and San Miendo, uh, and even I know that those aren't particularly impressive results Um, so yeah, who knows? Um, Platense's uh, results so far have they actually started with two wins uh, against Godoy Cruz and, and Beles. Um, as Dan says, the latter was was Maro Sarate's first start, and since then they've had three draws, so they've fallen off a little bit already. Uh, but against well, once against Gimnasia, who are second, the others have been against Aldo Sibi and Sarmiento, a bit less good going so. You know, maybe the wheels are already starting to fall off. How long do we think they can keep this up for? They're, they're, they're away to Independiente this weekend. I don't think anyone expects them to. Or, in fact, on Monday, which, as we know in Argentina, is the weekend. But... I was just going to say, I don't think anyone expects them to, to keep it up. The only thing they really have to look at is the relegation table. Um, they're currently 22nd out of 28. The bottom two supposedly go down. There was been some thought that that might not be the case um jesus christ yeah uh so they're definitely in the mix for relegation but so and they just need to keep picking up points basically um forget about the top of the table and just look at the bottom of the the premier the promedios i think uh that's got to be their their goal for the season oh for sure and uh well i mean you were talking about uh them not being you know all that likely for them to keep the momentum but i mean you said that right after you know telling us that uh, they would be facing independent next so i don't know Anything. maybe they could 
You're suggesting independent or soft touch something. Well, they've just been completely battered 3 1 by Patronato in one of the most sorry performances I've ever seen from them. Have so, they? Yeah. Good grief. Teman, Teman Patronato. No, yeah, Teman Patronato from the mid, from the 10th minute onwards. Oh, well. It was an absolute shit show. You have no <laughs> idea what that was like. And this was straight after Independiente the had won two games in the bounds. I mean, it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Which makes perfect sense for Independiente. Oh, for Argentine football, really. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, as I said, I was most surprised when I was reading out that top five at the start of the episode to see Gimnasia up in second. Um they started off, of course, with the Clásico. They got a 1-1 draw away to Estudiantes, and they haven't looked back since. Uh, wins against Patronato, a draw against Platense, funnily enough, uh, and then wins against Racing and Rosario Central. Um, Dan, I didn't see the win against Racing, but I, I'm guessing you did. What happened there? It was, it was an absolute shit show to... Um... To borrow a phrase from uh, Sandy. Um, Gimnasio were good value for it. Um, There's been a thing with Racing this year where they've looked really solid, um, uh, really kind of formidable at home. Uh, Same this year, I mean the five-game season um, we've just started. Um, But away, they've been in absolute shambles in in their two visits so far to Gimnasio and Godecruz. And... And they were well beaten, um, albeit in very strange circumstances because um, the game was poised kind of at 2-1 to, to Gimnasia in the second half. Um, uh, Rassinger managed to tie it up midway through the first half through an Enzo Copetti goal when just before half-time Rassing conceded a boneheaded yet marginal penalty. Oh, I think uh, I might have seen this match actually. I can't it's remember. One of, yeah, it was one of those goals you can give it, you could, and, or you don't, and and it's fine either way. The real problem came in the second half when uh, Corbetti got scythed down, probably just inside the area, and it happened to be in a moment the commentators uh, had already um, informed of this fact that VAR had broken, uh, <laughs> so it had been used to give the first penalty. Um, but they couldn't use it to, uh, to have a look at the second one. Uh, so the ref, who was Shael Falcon Perez, kind of did his best, was pr- pretty lost. Um, the racing team were absolutely fuming. Um, decided not to give anything, a foul, a free kick, a penalty, um, whatever. Uh, and then shortly after that, Brian Aleman, who was absolutely fantastic, I think he's been fantastic really throughout the, the season for Gimnasia, sets up and smashes um, a free kick in. So it was 3-1 Gimnasia and, and really game over. Um, as I say, they're looking very good. They've, got, they've had some very encouraging results by Far Gimnasia and Mr. Godosito, I'm sure, is thanking the Lord that he managed to turn down San Lorenzo at least three times this year, I think. Um, every wasn't time. he That's dying to get San Lorenzo and San Lorenzo just didn't go for him? I don't know. I mean, I, it would make more sense for Godosito to tell him, tell San Lorenzo to fuck off and not the other way around considering how the, each of the two are faring at the moment. But who knows? Yeah, you could be right. Um, if I were 
Goresita, stay very much per Kimnathia right now because he's he's got something good going on. It's a team that defends well. Got some very interesting um, players in that team. I was in, very impressed with um, Lautaro Chavez uh, playing wide on the, the right. I thought he had a very good game. Um, and Eric Ramirez, I think he scored the, the first goal. He looked very impressive. Then they got the old, the old hand of uh, Aleman. Uh, Franco Soldano, who looks reborn after all his strife at Boca. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting team. And... So far, they, they deserve to be up there, no doubt about it. It's particularly interesting that I'm just looking at the 11 that started against Racing. They don't seem to have made that many changes in the transfer market between campaigns. I mean, they did actually do a little bit better than I remembered them doing in the Copa de la Liga. They were only one point away from finishing. Um, yeah, they wanted oh, okay. to do the final... One point and one goal difference yeah. away from finishing in the, in, in the semi-final spot. The quarterfinal spot, sorry, yeah, uh, in, in that group. But, you know, considering that at the start of the year, they really needed a good campaign to pull clear of the relegation battle. Uh, it's impressive that they're managing to carry this form on into the more meaningful of the two competitions, let's say. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's another club, but no, they don't really have to worry about relegation. So they can go for it. I can't remember the last time Gymnasia were involved in the Libertadores, uh, Sudamericana, and they can't be far off now. Yeah, they're in sixth place, so that's comfortably Sudamericana at the moment. Mm. Um, looking good for it. Uh, they've got a nine-point cushion, um, possibly a little bit more because, you know, other places are going to get freed up and whatnot, and only only one point off the um, off the Libertadores. Uh, it would be very fun to see, to see them out there. Yeah, it would. In fact, they're only four points off the off Racing at the very top of the uh, the year long table at the moment. And tied with Estudiantes after yeah. that brilliant um, Copa de la Liga campaign, Estudiantes. Had. So that shows how good I think Hamnatio have been just across the year. Yeah, absolute props to Gorosito. No, I don't think many people expected that from him. I think we all love to see Gorosito do well, right? He's one of oh, our absolutely. favorite yeah. Argentine yeah. football figures by far. Very yeah, but that, to, uh, that doesn't mean that we like expected it. him to actually do good, you know. Oh, no, of course. But we're happy that he is. Indeed. Uh, now, the team in third are a team who last time we recorded had just been, I think just been, uh, dumped out of the Copa Argentina uh, by Agropecuario Argentino. Since then, they've played four league matches and they've lost two of them, but they've also won two of them. Uh, and Dan's just talked about one of their defeats because the team in question are harassing. So, Dan, um, how's it gone more generally than just that shit show? I mean, you've already mentioned that, that they've been poor away from home and, and decent at home. Uh, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. I think the three home games they've had so far, they've uh, won all three with an aggregate score of 10-0. And the... Two away games against Gode Cruz and most recently against Gimnasia have finished with two defeats and an aggregate score of 5-1 against. Um, it's been very uh, very frustrating because the team hasn't quite been able to pick up the momentum it had in the Copa de la Liga. You know, they've had those big blows of going out the Sudamericana, going out of the Copa Argentina, in very, both of them in just horrible circumstances, really. Uh, but the last game uh, gave us some encouragement with... The obvious proviso that was against Aldo Civi. They won 5-0 again against Aldo Civi, the second time 
in about two months, three months. Um, and probably the most encouraging thing was that after, you know, losing a, a little bit of their attacking edge and going a bit stale, um, a couple of new new players have, have injected a bit of life back into the team. Um, Emiliano Vecchio, the ex-central player, had an absolute blinder on Sunday, I think that game was, or Saturday? Uh, Sunday. Uh, his first start for, for Racing since signing. Um, scored one, the opener with a really good volley and then set up Leonardo Sigali, the central defender of all people. Um, for Racing. He's still playing for Racing after all those years. Yeah, but perhaps not for much longer. Uh, there's a whole contract dispute there, so, so that's, uh, that's a story for another more transfer skewed podcast, which we try and avoid. Um, but let's hope it's safe. Uh, so Vecchio was really good on his first start. Uh, Johan Carbonero, who has actually just come across from, from Gimnasia, um, was a little bit raw, a little bit kind of unfamiliar with his teammates, I think, but uh, he still showed a little bit in his in his first start before coming off uh, on the hour mark for newly fit, newly recovered from injury, Gabriel Alci. And then the third new face was uh, Maxi Romero, ex Vélez, uh, just come in on loan, I think it is, from PSV. Uh, and he forced, he didn't score, but in the... 25, 26 odd minutes plus injury time he was on the pitch. He managed to force kind of two goals. He uh, had a really good header saved by the Aldo Civi keeper and then they made a great complete fuck up of the of the rebound and managed to score an own goal. If you haven't seen it, Sam, watch it. It's hilarious. And then he played a really good one too with uh, Jonathan, Go Jonathan Gomez um, to set up the latter who he scored a very, uh, very nice individual strike late on. Uh, so it was good. It was kind of more like this racing we'd seen in the first half of the year, more fluid, just great and lots and lots of chances and good chances, really kind of high quality chances. Uh, Copetti again was on target. He's probably he was probably the one guy in racing who just was always on point in this lesson. And great run they had between the, the Copa Liga Profesional semi-finals and now um, he's he's looking really really good um, and the defense is solid again at least at home um, the big story the big question is are they going to be able to do it again away from home uh, we'll find out on Sunday when they travel to Sarmiento to face uh, Lisandro Lopez again uh, obviously it's a nice away away game to um, to have if you're looking to build up your confidence and show that you can get your your form back on the road. But we'll see. You know, at the moment they're struggling to put two wins together. They're getting wins, but just not putting them together. So maybe this could be a turning point. Um, fingers crossed. And the remaining team in the top five. Um... The, the team who it feels like we're eternally talking about them being in crisis, even when they're actually objectively doing pretty well results-wise, um, are Boca Juniors, who began, just to remind you, with a 2-1 win at home to Arsenal, uh, followed that up 
Um, I can't remember mentioning this on the podcast. I think it might have happened just after we recorded last uh, with a 1-0 win in the Copa Argentina against Ferro. And then since then, in four league matches, have lost at home to Central Córdoba and at home to Union. And in between those two matches, uh, managed wins at home to Tigre in their third match against Tigre in about a month and a half because of the way that the Copa de la Liga ended. And uh, also, sorry, the cat just climbed onto the desk and is distracting me from my phone slightly. I'm just going to switch my keyboard off before she starts typing things. Uh, and got a 3-1 win away to Barracas Central as well. The end of the recent, the most recent match, which was that defeat to Union, at the most recent league match, that is, um, was a pretty controversial one by the look of it. It, it finished 9 against 11, so Boca had two men sent off and Union had one man sent off. Uh, but two of those red cards were 15 minutes into stoppage time after Franco Troshansky had scored a penalty. Did anybody see this and can tell me what actually went down? I think it came from a, from a rift uh, between the players because Troshansky decided to celebrate that winner by um, doing what Messi did in 2017 by taking off his shirt and raising it <laughs> and showing it to the fans. Apparently, um, that celebration was deemed uh, excessive by refer by the referee. I don't know exactly who it was. I think it was a uh, Falcon as well, but I don't think it's. I think it's yes. like that he might have. Yeah, Correct. it was Falcon. So because of that, um, he has been given a three-match suspension. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he was actually sent off on the game itself because he was. No, 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 he wasn't. He wasn't hustled down the, the tunnel. Yeah, I think there was only really there was only one red card that which was Izquierdos for the for the foul initially. Defense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The second booking. Um, exactly, it was his second booking, and then and I think another one was uh, shown during the 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 fight that erupted after the celebration, right? Yeah, this sure. the the, the live score app I'm looking at. Yeah, Romero says it's only one. The the uh, live score app I'm looking at says Izquierdos was sent off. 90 minutes plus six, which is evidently for the foul because the penalty was awarded 90 minutes plus nine and taken 90 minutes plus 15. Um, and that Troshansky was sent off for an argument 90 plus 15 and Sambra Carlos Sambrano for Boca was sent off for an argument at 90 minutes plus 16. So presumably yeah. that was actually just after the full-time whistle. Yeah, that was, that, that was exactly it then. He was uh, sent off because of, you know, celebrating with his shirt raised up. I mean, being sent off for celebrating a a winning goal deep into stoppage time in, you know, one of the most mythical stadiums in the country is um, interesting, however you celebrate yeah, it. That's what you get from making Boca supporters angry, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the obvious parallel that comes to mind is that Carlos Tevez one from the Libertadores in, what was it, like 2004 or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. semi-final when Tevez scored yeah. what he thought was a late winner and ran around pluck, clucking like a chicken in reference to Rivers' uh, nickname. Um, yeah, but that, that might have been understood as but, a provocation. Yeah, I mean, I can see, especially, stuff. especially at a, a point when, when the Barra were, well, actually, perhaps the Barra weren't that much more of an issue because I'm sure Dan can fill us in a bit later on how that's been rearing its head again at River uh, this week. But... Um, 
I can kind of see it, but I mean, to be honest, I thought, while I think it was objectively hilarious, that Tevez red card, it was one of my earliest memories of following Argentine football. I thought it was a bit harsh, all the same at the time. And I certainly, you know, it's not as if Union and Boca are massive rivals and that there was a realistic, you know, any particular reason that people could be especially angry at him, other than just, oh, we just thought of winning gold against my team. But, I mean, really? <laughs> are we sending people off for that now? Yeah, it was a strange one. Um, um, outside the top five, then uh, I sh- I'll just mention that since um, that match, Boca have played another match, but we will get to that in a bit because the Copa Libertadores um, eighths of final, or the last 16, as normal people call it, uh, have begun. They, they started this week, and we will we'll get to the matches that have uh, been covered for that in the second half of the podcast. Actually, oh no, we've got a few minutes before this cuts us off. So um, the other one that a lot of our listeners will, of course, be wondering about are the team in sixth place in the league standings at the moment. And that team are River, only one point behind Platense, Amboca and Racing. Um, And, well, that's because they've won two, drawn two and lost one. So it's not exactly been a poor start for them, but it's not been a start with the kind of standard that that they would be hoping for either. the defeat was away a to Colón, 1-0. Since then, they've beaten Union 5-1 in Santa Fe and uh, beat Lanús 2-1 in the Monumental. And then the other night, they lost to Vélez 1-0 in the first leg of their Libertadores match. So they've picked up after starting the season off with two draws, uh, both goalless. But, Jens, what, what have you made of them, if you've seen much of them so far? And- it's crazy that River failed to score a single goal in their first three games of this of this campaign, and I think that's pretty much how you can uh, sum up uh, these first few games for them. Because uh, I mean, they've looked a little, you know, uh, it's been difficult for them to make to create chances and to and to convert those chances. Uh, Julian Alvarez actually had a had a bit of a howler in that uh, in that loss against. Uh, against Colón. But I think they, I mean, at what point it looked like they started to pick up um, those, those results, those results against uh, Union and Luz looked pretty good, but uh, those, I think those problems reared their head again, that game against Beres. I think we might discuss that later, but uh, yeah, I think the general, uh, general theme of, um, of Rivera's whole year, I think is that um, inability to create, to convert uh, the sheer amount of chances they can create and uh, mm. their need for a for a more traditional striker, I think, which is kind of what they're going to going for in this whole transfer window. Yeah, I'm just looking yes. at, this, at the stats for the league and the the two teams with the most shots per game so far are Estudiantes with 15.4 and River second with 15 exactly on average. Um, the striker that they're expected to sign, I think, if I've been looking at the most up-to-date headlines now, is Miguel Angel Borja, right? Yeah, him well, and uh, hopefully... Perhaps Luis Suarez, well. yeah. Yeah. That actually might happen. I mean, we mentioned that last time we recorded as a bit of a pipe dream, but um, that looks likely, does it? I don't know if I'd say likely. Uh, it seems possible. Um, a yeah, lot... That's the right word. Yes. A lot will... Um... Hang on next week's Libertadores second legs. Because um, if he comes, I think it's to play his first Libertadores, right? Um, he's not going to 
come to a river just to play a, a shit, weirdly formatted league. Mm. Um, you know, to be uh, to be diplomatic about it. Uh, so if they get through against Vélez, I think there is still a chance if they can't pull that tie back. Sorry, I'm spoiling a bit the, the second half. Oh, that's fine. I've already mentioned the, the uh, result. If they can't get the it match. back, they're... Um, yeah. Uh, if they can't get it back, I think uh, they can probably say goodbye to that dream uh, and Suarez won't be coming. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, the performances themselves... Oh, hang on. I've just gone, past, gone off the, wrong, the right screen. Um, I, I think I saw a bits and pieces of the Union match and obviously I saw... I mean, I wasn't really concentrating fully on it, but I saw last night's match against Vélez. Uh, if nothing else, it was an entertaining game. But again, what Santi's already mentioned about how difficult River find it to put chances away was very much on display. Um, we will talk about that in a little bit more detail though after this music because Zoom is a couple of minutes away from cutting us off. So this seems like a good time for a halftime break. Um, I'll talk to you soon. Welcome back. We will begin the second half with a very brief message from a sponsor this week. Uh, now, don't get excited, guys, because you're not getting any more money for this, because nor am I. And in fact, she doesn't know that she's sponsoring this episode. Uh, but my girlfriend today, three hours ago, um, went from being a full-time employee to a fully freelance employee because she is leaving her job as of the 1st of July. She'll be completely freelance. So if you're listening to this and you need any uh, technical, literary, or publicitary type uh, translation between the languages of English or Spanish, then get in touch with me. Uh, I can't give you her business details yet because I don't know what she's going to set herself up as, uh, but she is a top-notch translator. So, you know, get in touch if you're interested uh, on Twitter or the contact form on the website or whatever. Just thought I'd put that out there. And now let's move on to the Copa Libertadores uh, last 16. Unless either of you have got anything to say about any of the other league matches, but I can't really think of anything particularly that stands out. I'm going to take that as a no. Uh, Not that we haven't already touched upon, I think. Super. Right. The last 16 of the Libertadores is well underway. Um, Fortaleza play Estudiantes in about 35 minutes time. That one kicks off and that is the last match of the first legs. Um, the results so far this week have been Emelec 1, Atletico Mineiro 1, Atletico Paranaense 2, Libertad 1, Corinthians versus Boca Juniors ended 0-0 in São Paulo, uh, Tacheres and Colón drew 1-1 in one of the two All-Argentine ties, Cerro Porteño lost 3-0 at home to Palmeiras last night. Uh, Beles, we've mentioned already, beat River in the other All-Argentine tie, 1-0. On, that was also last night. On uh, So what's today? Today's Thursday, isn't it? So that was on Wednesday night. 
Uh, and also on Wednesday night, Flamengo got a 1-0 win away to Deportes Tolima. Um, so obviously we're sticking with the Argentine teams. So where shall we... I mean, we've kind of mentioned some of it already, so we may as well begin with with the last of those three all, uh, three Argentine matches, Vélez versus River. As I've already said, it was a pretty entertaining game. It was ultimately settled by Lucas Hansson's penalty 15 minutes in. Um, and it was kind of a... a, a bit of a weird one because if River had had better finishing then they could have taken a draw from it and yet the overwhelming sense by the time it ended was that Vélez probably should have scored two or three rather than just the one, right? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of what River has struggled with all year as, as we've been saying, kind of a little bit flimsy, a little bit um, fragile at the back, uh, letting these chances go in. And also, at the other end, just not finishing their, their chances. Um, I must admit, I only saw the highlights of it. I was, I was out to dinner while, while they were playing. Um, but definitely, the sense I got from watching the, the highlights back was that Villas were, were a very good value for the win. And yeah, it could have been uh, even, more, uh, even more comfortable. Um, it's going to be a great second leg, I think, because River are really going to have to come out and play. They've got something to prove, and Vélez are just threatening to to get a bit of a groove on after being pretty rubbish for quite a lot this year. I mean, to be honest, uh, I can't help but think that perhaps River not only have a got it really really you know cheap with the with the result they got but also that they might even have the advantage going into the monumental because i mean it is very clear that Vélez outplayed them uh completely especially in that second half but the sheer amount of goals that Vélez uh missed i think uh just gives them a whole you know kind of second chance at it and uh there's all likelihood that they will go to the Monumental and uh, process that result and think that shit that really could have uh, we could have had it a lot worse if we had it and uh, well they even had a, a a second one ruled out before because of two consecutive offside calls but I feel like this is the kind of games that uh, if you don't strike uh, River when you have the chance they will strike right back at you. So I think that is exactly what's going to happen on the second leg. I have one query, which is really neither here or there, but um, I'm, I'm curious. Who would Hanson be Vélez's first choice penalty taker? Because you think possibly against anyone other than River, they might give that ball to Lucas Prado, right? Um, I mean, Lucas Prado... At, at points, it looked like Lucas Prato was playing with the River shirt uh, underneath the Venice <laughs> shirt. I'm not going to lie. I mean, he missed so many chances <laughs> last night. And it felt like he was playing back for his old club again. Because he's missing so many chances, like definitely carrying on the River spirit there. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. It was incredible. In, in fairness, he was playing for one of his old clubs either way. So, <laughs> Yes, indeed. Um, no, I don't think they've had it. I think that was their first penalty since Prado joined. Did he join at the start of the year or just now? At the start my, of the um, year. At the start of or the even year. Or even last year. Was it that long ago? Ah, uh, yes, I think it's it has been back for a while, yeah. Yeah. 
Southampton took a penalty against Stevie <coughs> back in April uh, with Prado on the pitch. So it seems like, yes, it, he is their anointed penalty taker and it wasn't because Prado bottled it against his old mates. It was a worthwhile question, though, Dan. So, you know, I think so, yeah, that. thanks. Hold on. Thank uh, sorry, I'm slightly <laughs> distracted because the cat has... I don't know, the, the cat sneezed or something during our half-time break when I was away from the computer and there's water all over the all over my keyboard, so I'm just dumbing things up. Um, shall we move on? Uh, did either of you manage to watch Tacheres versus Colón the other night? I did. Um... Entertaining game. It wasn't bad at all. Uh, I was happy to see Luis Rodriguez once more make his presence felt. He started on the bench for some reason. I mean, I'm guessing because Falciani. Um, and he took about two, three minutes to make his presence felt, whipped in a really nice free kick, which was headed in by Ramon Avila uh, just, just after the hour mark. And that seemed like it was going to give Colonna a very... Valuable away victory. Um, but Alan Franco had other ideas. He came off the bench as well. For, um, Not that one. Is. Not that one. And I think it was a header as well, right? If I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I think it was, yeah. Yes. So a tale of two headers. Um, and that's, yeah, that one's wide open because they're two very evenly matched teams. There really wasn't. Uh, much between them, uh, Tashid is on the night kind of peppered Colón with shots, particularly after um, going behind, but didn't really have that much of substance. Um, if you look at the statistics, they had 21 total shots to Colón seven and 70% of uh, of possession, but were outshot on target uh, three to two. So definitely seeing the Falcioni mark there, I think. Um, unless <laughs> Less is more, always with Falciani. Yeah, and a, uh, a little bit of a parallel with, with the Vélez River game as well, in the the one the team that were chasing it ended up sort of dominating the... Sorry, the dominating cat the in front of the microphone. Really, dominating the stats without really dominating really the, game, the, the match, so to speak, yeah. yeah. I'll just say one second, um, because Anna, my partner, uh, hasn't managed to get her sense of smell back yet, uh, she is blissfully unaware that Nahuel is had a shit. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I hope you're not expecting me to edit that out, Dan, because that is staying no, in, that podcasting okay. gold. Um, <laughs> of course, the one thing that you are forgetting when you say there's not much to choose from between these two teams is that Tacheres have the Portuguese manager and as a result are oh, going yeah. to be winning this year's Copa Libertadores. Um so, you know, sorry any Colón fans who are listening, but you are doomed in the second leg. Oh, God, the cat started attacking the bookshelf. Well, that's so the Corinthians. So that's bad news for Boca as well. Indeed it is, yes. And that's a very nice little segue in. Um, oh, God, what's she doing? Sorry, she's trying to eat my books. This is horrible. This is what happens when my girlfriend's not here for while well, we podcast record on Zoom. The cat just entertains herself by bothering me instead. Um, so Corinthians versus Boca was I now I saw bits and pieces of this game. Really bad. Paying a really, hell of a really, lot of attention. Really yeah, I was going to say that when I, when I was looking at the school, at the television, 
it didn't exactly drag me in and, and draw me in because it's not that I was doing something else for, for most of the match. It's, it's just that it wasn't that much of a, an intriguing game. Um, in spite of the, you know, on paper, you, you look at the, the other fixtures and you think, well, that's the biggest, you know, the, the biggest of the last 16 fixtures, really, in terms of the, the standing of both clubs involved. Um, Santi, do you want to tell us a bit about it? I mean, it was a, a pretty uneventful game. Uh, probably the most, uh, you know, kind of excitement or entertainment came from the from the penalty calls, um, especially were a very stupid, stupid penalty considered by Marco Rojo uh, from a from a slap after he jumped uh, with both hands, with both arms. Uh, stupid penalty considered by Marco Rojo. I can't believe that. Boy. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. No, no, so out of character. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. some will probably be more shocked than others for him after such Marco illustrious. Rojo, exactly after such illustrious showings in Old Trafford year mm. after year, but um, well, yeah, he considered a penalty. Unfortunately, uh, he was bailed out by Alkin Rossi, who's become something of a of a penalty specialist in the last few years. At the to, at which point uh, there were some poker fans who were already calling him. Um, to be named as the third or fourth cho- choice goalkeeper for the World Cup, which I mean, it's a little bit far fetched considering that uh, our starting goalkeeper is something of a penalty specialist. But uh, yeah, beyond that, there was an adult penalty shout for Boca, which wasn't given, and not much else. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about this game. Both teams were very clearly aware that there would, there would be a second leg after this, but I think Boca fans will be very, very happy with this result, especially in Brazil, uh, which means that they will have um, another game at La Bombonera to close the deal. But as we said before, uh, Vitor Pereira, the Corinthians manager, is Portuguese, so that means bad news for Walker, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it was probably the most predictable result of almost any of them we've had so far, with probably the exception of Palmeiras being Palmeiras and just steamroller in Cerro Porteño. Um, these teams already played each other twice in the group stage and really didn't serve up much in the way of football, especially in the second leg, which was absolute dross, if I remember correctly. And yeah, it would have been optimistic to expect any kind of decent football um, in that first leg. Maybe in the second leg, it could liven up a bit, but I wouldn't hold my breath either. I suppose that... The one argument for taking Rossi as a as a penalty specialist would be that if your opponents are actually paying attention to Emiliano Martinez and his ability to save them, if you, if it does go to a shootout and you sub Martinez off and and, and put Rossi on, then the opposing manager, who presumably isn't really going to know who Agustin Rossi is, uh, is going to be seriously psyched out by that. But um, yeah, it, it, as Santi says, it, it does seem a little bit daft. Um, Probably a better shout for second or third choice than Franco Armani at the moment, but that's a different conversation. That's a, I mean, Armani did have one hell of a game against Belis. True. He, he produced a lot of incredible saves, but uh, I mean, at this point, Armani is still, you know, second or third choice for team building and not much more than that, I think. But I mean, if that's what he's in for, it makes sense for the squad. No, oh, indeed. Uh, just literally just now, as, as I said the word just, um, Independiente del Valle have 
taken the lead or retaken the lead against Lanús in the Copa Sudamericana, which is also, of course, now getting underway again. Um, the fixtures there so far have been Nacional of Uruguay beating Union 2-0 in Montevideo. Colo-Colo uh, beat Internacional 2-0 in Santiago. The strongest, I think they took the lead against Serra, uh, but they ended up losing 2-1 uh, last night, I think that was. Uh, Deportivo Cali versus Melgar ended 0-0. Tachira versus Santos ended 1-1. Independiente del Valle have, as I've just said, have scored in stoppage time uh, to, to go 2-1 up against Lanús. And later on, Universidad Católica de... Chile uh, hosts São Paulo and Olimpia host Atletico Goianense. So only the two Argentine representatives left in, and it's not looking fantastic for either of them at the moment. Anything to add, either of you? I'm, I'm guessing that nobody watched Nacional versus Union the other night. I did not, I must admit. Yeah, me neither, unfortunately. Well, that's fair enough. Independiente del Valle versus Lanús has been, I mean, I've mostly been looking at league tables and lists of scores and stuff, obviously, because we've been recording. But from what I've seen, it's been a pretty lively match. But uh, Lanús have got three minutes more to to find an equaliser. If you can hear something skitting around as I'm talking, it's because the cat's just found just about her noisiest toy. Um, So the last 20 minutes of this podcast are going to be really good fun. Uh, just, I think for, yeah, for Lanús, it's going to be going to be a partial victory getting back from Quito and the altitude without Pepe San dying, right? Um, it can't be easy for him. Indeed, yeah. I, th- I think he might have scored Lanús' goal, actually. Uh, no, nah, uh, no, Tomás Belmonte scored it, but uh, Sand was involved in a, a bit of an, a contretemps uh, regarding the celebrations afterwards. Oh, he's been subbed off, in fact. He was subbed yeah. for... Uh, Facundo Perez, oh, only about 10 minutes ago. So, um, yeah, he's got he did minutes pretty well. Yeah, for a 41 year old, yeah, very, um, very loudable, pretty decent. Uh, and it's being played in, yeah, it is in Quito, the, the Olympica Atahualpa. Um, it's one oh, of course, Independiente de Valle based in Sayopi or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think they'll be too upset with that result, but it could be worse. Very true, very true indeed. Um, shall we go to listeners' questions, gents? Yeah, we've got a few today, I think. I think we have, haven't we? So we'd better start asking them now. Let's get down to here. Here we go. Uh, Rob Fitzpatrick has. We, we've had a few from only a few people because various people have asked us several questions. Uh, Rob Fitzpatrick is the first, and he says, "One will Dominguez walk." I mean, he could. I'm not ruling against the fact that he could. Uh, Why would this happen, something? Well, because he was promised uh, signings, and those signings, unsurprisingly, had not come. Uh, it's going to come down but, to the Clásico, right? In a way, yeah, I mean, I mean, in particular, he was promised Aliendro um, to the point where. Aliendro had a, well, I think we spoke about this in, in, in previous uh, episodes, but Aliendro had uh, agreed uh, terms with Independiente to join uh, once his contract expired uh, at the end of this month, uh, but with the condition that uh, Independiente will have to pay a $300,000 uh, 
uh, forward. That uh, money was supposed to come through uh, an investment fund that never showed up. And uh, as a result, that gave enough time for River to make a similar proposal, which he duly accepted. And uh, now Aliendro has even made his debut against Vélez. Unfortunately, he had a pretty rough fall in, on his debut, and we have to see whether he will... Um, I mean, how, how bad it is, but there was uh, a signing that definitely uh, escaped from the Benitez hunt when they had it uh, signed and sealed and, and all that, but... Uh, it couldn't be delayed, but let's say. Uh, but after that, there's big chances that, well, he will certainly lose for free the likes of uh, Benavides, Blanco and Roa, all of whom have, uh, will, will uh, terminate their contracts tomorrow. And there's also the big chance that he might lose Geronimo Poblete as well, after only being at the club for about three months, saving his career from the war in Ukraine, and there's uh, now an offer being made by uh, Lanús. Apparently, the were were going to offer him a better a better contract of offer, but uh, when they agreed the terms and they submitted the, the offer, they did it with different numbers than the ones they had agreed upon. So now Poblet is waiting for a for an explanation to this, which for the time being hasn't arrived yet. So there's a. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's all likelihood that Lanús may uh, may be taking Poblete right now as a free agent as well. Uh, in exchange, the Pinta might uh, you know land a couple of players, Facundo Ferreira being one of them, the the striker who has scored 15 goals in the last four years in Mexico, which looks promising. And also uh, Gabriel Achen from Defensive Justicia, who I also already said that is uh, Gabriel Auche, but without the licenses, like in Pro Evolution Soccer. So that's the kind of sentence that uh, Dominguez is getting, uh, not the ones he asked for, the ones that they into in one way or, an, or another can land. Uh, so given this, uh, you know, deference and the fact that he's uh, struggling so hard to, you know, find anything resembling a team, I think it's very, very likely that he might uh, quit if he doesn't get the reinforcement he needs by the time the the transfer window shuts, uh, I think it's on the 7th or the 8th of July. Well, watch this space. Uh, Rob's second question, Corinthians versus Boca. Did Boca play for nil-nil? I don't know about played for so much as, as, as Dan said, both of the matches between those teams in the group stage kind of gave us a bit of a an inkling maybe that that wasn't exactly going to be a classical uh, a classic, I should say. Um, looking very quickly at, at Rob's Twitter bio, as I just did, I see that he lists himself as a Corintiano, so I suspect that that he knows that. Um, but yeah, it, it, no offence to Corinthians fans, no offence to Boca fans, but neither of them are, are the most entertaining teams um, to watch in, in this year's Libertadores. That being said, I, I, I'm going to... Be a little bit more optimistic than Dan's summary a few minutes ago and say that I do think the second leg is is going to be good, if only because it's on such a knife edge. that uh, it, It's not going to be liquid football, but it is going to be high drama and probably a few tensions being frayed. Um, so, yeah, the second leg should be better than the first. In the first leg, I don't know about played for, but certainly given that they're at home in the second leg, Boca won't have been afraid. Um, of, I mean, they're, they're not exactly 
they're not exactly complaining for the results. No, exactly. All. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think both teams play for nil nil for that matter. Mm. Um, and Rob's third question is: If a neutral was watching the league for the first for the first time this year, what club would be the most fun to follow? I guess it depends on where you get your fun, doesn't it? Like if you like seeing goals going in, and you're not too bothered who's scoring them. Then just looking at the the goals for and against columns so far, uh, Boca actually scored eleven, conceded eight. Nobody else's matches have had that. Oh, apart from Munion, who scored eight and conceded eleven. Um, Which but, is weird because uh, they're not exactly um, particularly entertaining teams, either of them. No, so, functional. I think it would be fair to say. Yeah. I mean, obviously, my shout. Obviously, my shout is going to be River Plate for as long as Juan Fernando Quintero is on the pitch. Uh, but unfortunately, that is not for very long <laughs> these days. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Racing have to be a decent shout as well, right, Dan? Yeah, definitely. They're they're playing. You know, they got the right ideas, even if at times recently it hasn't uh, it hasn't come off. Um, Colón are always worth watching when. Uh, El Pulga Rodriguez is on the pitch and Gimnasia. Uh, don't, you know, have a, have a watch uh, Gimnasia this, um, this season because they're playing some very good football. Very true, yeah. And, you know, if you like seeing young players come through, then Vélez, as, as we've mentioned, they're, they're at the moment obviously concentrating on the Libertadores. Uh, I can't believe, we'll have to wait sorry, and see Sam, how the uh, second leg goes, but I can't believe we got this far in without mentioning, and we even brushed over it. Uh, Gimnasia's most recent win came in Carlos Tevez's uh, oh, managerial day. Yeah, you're quite right. And actually, we've we've got a question one? about we've got a question about Tevez in a minute. So let's um, I think we've got a question about Tevez in a minute. Anyway, if I'm remembering our mentions correctly. Um, so let's go into that in a second. Actually, we might not have, but yeah, remind me to come back to that in a second. Liam Delaney says, thoughts on Alexandro Bernabe signing for Celtic? I'm surprised that he will be the first Argentine to play for them. Uh, I'm surprised to hear that as well. Yeah, yeah th- there's been a lot of Argentines in Rangers. Yeah, as a, yeah, was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's been a lot of them at Rangers, but not at Celtic, which is odd, especially considering the fact that Celtic are the Catholic club, not Rangers. Yeah. Um, thoughts? I mean, he, he looks decent, right? He should be a good signing, I, I would think. Not that I catch an awful lot of Scottish league football, um, but I'm going to imagine, given the level that he's been showing here, uh, that it's not going to be too much of a step up for him, especially given that he's joining, you know, one of the best teams in the country and a team who are going to be dominating most of the matches anyway. Yeah, I talked to Phil about, Phil about this the, the other day, and he was uh, very optimistic. He thinks that he won't won't take too long to make his mark at Parkhead. But then again, you know, it's Phil and Lanús, so uh, take him with a pinch of salt. He's a good player. <laughs> a good player. Darren Paul says again, an- another person who's written in with a few questions. Uh, what do you make of Christian Olivia's sending off for Tacheres against Central Cordoba? This is a pretty Deep cut question, Darren. <laughs> For me, it looked very ropey. I get that he's said to have stamped on him, but that, that Riano has properly lunged under him there for me, Clive. Uh, I did not see the incident. Uh, did either of you? No, but I'm going to look for it now. I don't seem to be. Let me see. You found it, Dan? 
I have, yes, but it's gonna load. It's loading. Let's see, I will give you my live reaction to the either unjust decision or horrific tackle. Look. That's full YouTuber stuff, huh? Yeah. Definitely seemed to leave a mark on Rianio. He was in a lot of pain there. Uh, let's have a look at the replay to get a proper look. <laughs> this is top quality audio content there. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, and now the, the replay. The fact that we, we're doing this on Zoom instead of, you know, reacting while we watch us Dan reacting, it's. Yeah, we should be setting this up as a Discord channel and doing it on video, really, shouldn't we? <laughs> but uh, that sounds like far too much effort. You got there yet, Dan? Uh, yes. Didn't seem much in it. Like, for some reason... Uh, hi yeah, the highlight video I got only shows it in real time and then switches to a replay of a random chance. Um, I'm not going to keep looking because it's going to get really dull. Um, didn't seem much in it uh, to me from first glance. Um, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe he's got uh, got grounds for, for complaint against the Red. Thanks for that question, Darren. Uh, Darren also asks, in my first draft of the Tevez debut report for Golasso Argentino, available at an internet near you, I drew comparison between Tevez and Caudet as a dream scenario for Rosario Central, and Tevez and Palermo as a less favourable comparison. Will he even have Martin Palermo's successes? Um, as Dan said just a few minutes ago, we managed to brush over this, partly because I'd forgotten that it had happened, even though I made a mental note before we started recording that we had to mention it. Carlos Tevez is now a football manager. Um, if you told me that that was a sentence I was going to be uttering at some point in the history of this podcast, I would have wondered just how long the podcast was going to go on for. Uh, I, I think we could have recorded for another 30 years and I would still be surprised to be saying this. Uh, he has taken over Rosario Central. Damn, how's it been going for him? Um, it's been very, uh, very interesting to watch because he ended up not having his chosen assistant, who was a hockey coach, um, albeit a very, very good hockey coach, uh, El Chapa Retegui, if that name sounds familiar, because he's the father of Mateo Retegui, who scored the goal, a goal against River for Tigre back in the Copa Liga Profesional semifinals. Um, he ended up not being able to go because he works as um, Buenos Aires is. Minister, Minister for Sport. Um, he tried to get some time off. They didn't let him have time off. Uh, he wasn't prepared to resign. So Tevez, <laughs> after announcing in his first press conference that uh, Rategui would be going with him, had to admit the next day that he wouldn't be going with him. And I don't know who his assistant is now. One of his brothers, maybe. Um, I think he has like three of his brothers as assistant managers. Been, yeah, they're all in their... Um, in the mix, and it seems that um, you know the talk is that he's he's not come to Central alone by any means, even if he hasn't come with Retegui, because he has super agent Christian Bragarnik behind him, who has seemingly promised to fill Central with players, uh, including 
Ignacio Malcorra, who's already signed his kind of this classic Bragarnik signing. I think he's been all over yeah. Mexico, all over Argentina, uh, been at Union most recently at Lanús. Uh, Maxi Cocaro, the Huracan delightful moustache, um, and also can play a bit of football. He seems to be on the way. Ismael Cortes from Gimnasia. Uh, so you, there, was I mean, there were here. there were rumors that uh, they would also sign one of uh, Tevez's former teammates, uh, Joe from All Corinthians. Right. Uh, that would be interesting. Uh, because uh, uh, I think because of his links with uh, Kiaz Rakian, uh, the, the guy who brought him to, to Europe. Yeah. Uh, I'd say in Tevis's favour, it got off to a pretty crap start, um, as I say, against Gimnasia. That was on Friday night prime time. Um, but it's going to be hard for him to do a lot worse with Central because they have been terrible over the last year. I think they came dead last out of everyone. Or, yeah, dead last in the uh, Copa Liga Profesional, winning four games out of 14. And so far, they've um, won one game in five in the league. Um, so they're really, really bad. Uh, and even the slightest improvement's going to look pretty good. Um, the question is, this year, they're not particularly in relegation danger. Next year, they're going to be in a lot of trouble if things don't pick up. So there's not a huge amount of time for Tevez to get moving. Um, yeah, it could be entertaining. I, I've been, just to interrupt now, because I'm going to rush this along a bit because we've not got much time left. Zoom's going to kick us off in six minutes. Uh, I, I was quite entertained by the fact that just before he was announced, he went along to a, a couple of matches and um, there were various photos of him in a kind of, I'm going to say Chinese style, but I guess Far Eastern style suit with, you know, like the... the lapel-less jacket and mm-hmm. upright thing, given how famously he didn't really get on with life in China. Um, just amuse me ever so slightly. I'm very easily amused. Uh, Darren's final question is, last one, Udinese are apparently in for Coppetti. As wonderful a finish as he had on Sunday, for me, there's a lot to be left, uh, there's a lot to be desired there still, even for Udinese. What am I missing? I think it's fair to say that we agree with Darren there, right? If Udinese come in and offer a few million euros, as much as he's been great the last few um, the last few months, and uh, and uh, he's become a real favourite at Racing, I'd tie a bow on him, wish him yeah. luck, and and send him on. It would be an absolute result for Racing to to send him off for a profit. Uh, Udinese. Yeah, my, my immediate thought is that level. he's obviously in good form at the moment, but from the buying club's point of view, I'd I'd want to see a, a, at least a solid year of this kind of form before um, spending money on him. Uh, Matthias says, listening. our clubs... Sorry, don't go on. They might, Udinese might be listening. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. He's great, he's great. Fantastic. I'll cut that before this goes out. Yeah. Matthias yeah. says, are clubs allowed to fill the stadiums to the max in Argentina yet, or is it still COVID restricted? I mean, th- there aren't any restrictions with indoor events anymore, so I think that it's free now, right? That they're allowed to... Yeah, uh, Matthias also says, how bad are Independiente's financial problems? And could you talk about Moshano? I oh, see yeah. fans want to leave really bad. I think that we will uh, boot that one down to the line to the next time that Santi is available for an in-person recording, purely because, as I said, Zoom is going to kick us off in a few minutes and um, 
If we set Santi off on that particular topic, it's not way we're finishing in four minutes. No. Uh, yeah. it's, it's fair to say that whoever is in charge of Independiente at a given moment in time as an institution is not going to be popular, and uh, Independiente's problems are quite bad. And we'll go into more detail next time if you remind us, please. Uh, Johnny says River are not looking like River lately. What gives? I think it's a combination of. Alvarez sort of dropping off once his move to City had been finalised. Um, and obviously having been such a key player for them last year. And there's just this uh, bit of a sort of lethargy. You know, as, as we put it against Bellis, they're largely dominating matches, but struggling to put chances away and looking quite sloppy at the back a lot of the time. Um, do either of you want to add to that? Oh, I think we um, covered it in... The last hour or so, um, hmm. pretty, yeah. They're not really looking like Gashadol's River at the moment. Um, but they can come back. I wouldn't ever write them off. Indeed. I, I, Johnny is a, a Boca fan, of course, so I suspect he was uh, enjoying asking that question slightly as well. Yeah. Um, and he also asks, is there a barber in the Ciudad Autónoma de Buenos Aires with the requisite skills to work on Arturo Vidal? Uh Probably, no. yeah. I'll just make there sure, are not um, very many skilled barbers in this city. I mean, I, I assume that uh, Vidal has a personal barber. He takes <laughs> wherever he he goes in football. So, I mean, he only leaves him where he is and just flies him across the world whenever he wants a haircut. Wasn't there some story? Yeah. Was there some story about that a few years ago? Or was this a different footballer I'm thinking of? Having, having flown him in for his, during his summer holiday, flew him into the Caribbean somewhere or something like that. It might be a different player I'm thinking of. But, um, but, yeah. And finally, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, feeling better, Sam. I am, thank you, Liam. Um, and Copa America Femenina and Women's World Cup qualifying starts next week. What to expect from Argentina? Blimey, we've got two minutes left. Um, this is when we need Tony, really. It is, yes. Should we yeah, save yeah. it for uh, another one if we, can get, if we can hook him? I think we're going to have to because, as I said, Zoom is going to cut us off any second now. And for precisely that reason, uh, I don't think we're going to have Mystic Sam this week either because the file's about to end. Uh, So for now, thank you very much for the questions. Apologies in particular to Liam uh, and also to Matthias for not really having time to go into them in more detail. But hopefully, as I said, as I've said a couple of times already, hopefully next week we will be back to normal service. So if we haven't answered your question to your full satisfaction this week, please tweet it at us again next week and we will make sure that we give it a bit more time because next week we'll be back to rambling and going on for far too long and uploading two hour long episodes again. Uh, for now, it's thank you very much indeed for listening and goodbye from Santi. See you around, guys. From English Dan. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>